You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. All right, break it down, people. Welcome back to the show. I'm Matt Carter, and I'm excited because this is the second week that we premiered live on Adobe Radio. That's going really well. I really want to thank them. That's a big deal to get picked up and heard by so many people on internet streaming radio. So if you're listening that way, really, seriously, welcome. My name's Matt Carter, and I have people on this show to talk about stuff that's interesting to me. I'm a musician. I'm in the band Emory. Um, I've done been doing podcasting and music for a long time. And so what I really want to do here is talk about the stuff that's interesting. So it's often music, but today it's not. Today I'm talking about the ketogenic diet, which is essentially a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet that I've been doing for this year. Lost about 25 pounds now. And so I'm, I have an expert on, uh, a nutritionist, So I have an expert on, a nutritionist named Carol Freeman, who's going to join me today. So I think you'll be interested to hear this conversation and what we talk about, whether it's new to you or if you're already keto-adapted, as we say. Okay, so i get a little business out of the way, tell you about a couple things, and we'll hit right to it. Now, number one, thank you to everybody who supports the show by shopping on Amazon. Go to BreakItDownPod.com, and over there, there's an Amazon link that I want you to bookmark, and anything you buy through Amazon will support the show without you having to directly give. But speaking of directly giving, if you'd like to pay for this show, which is free, um, feel free. I think it will increase your enjoyment and you'll get some pleasure out of knowing that you're supporting me, helping me pay for childcare, equipment, stuff like that. So go to breakitdownpod.com. You can find both of those things. Now, I told you last week about the Taste of Chaos tour, uh, and I've got to tell you about it again because it's really exciting. Now, if you hadn't been paying attention, the Taste of Chaos tour has Dashboard Confessional, Taking Back Sunday, Sayosin with Anthony Green, and the early November. There's a full U.S. tour. It's going to go in everywhere starting June 3rd, and then it ends in San Bernardino with this like crazy uh, festival version of the tour, and that's going to be on July 16th. There's a bunch of other acts, awesome stuff, including Reggie and the Full Effect, I think, is going to be on that one. So go to jabberjaw.soundrink.com and use this coupon code BREAK to get $5 off any VIP upgrade. So you should go, you should get the VIP. They've got some really good deals and you're going to get $5 off, which I'm sure this tour and the VIP is going to be a blast. So don't forget, use the coupon code BREAK and $5 off your VIP upgrade. So definitely something you got to do. And then one more thing, I told you about this too. I'm going to tell you the rest of the month, in fact, because this is exciting. And then what I'm talking about is Jimmy Eat World's online store that they're doing with King's Road Merch. Uh, Here's what they've done. They've brought back the entire catalog of recut colored vinyl for all the Jimmy Eat World stuff. They got Static Prevails. There's Clarity, which is my favorite, uh, Bleed American, Futures, and Chase the Light, along with the EP, Stay on My Side Tonight. That's all on, and that one, the EP, that's the very first time it's ever been on vinyl. So quite special, quite cool indeed. Some of these are close to selling out, so you really should go get these. If you're into vinyl, if you're into Jimmy Eat World, it's kind of a no-brainer. So head to kingsroadmerch.com slash jimmy for this, and they got a bunch of other cool stuff too there. So kingsroadmerch.com slash jimmy. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. 
Carol Freeman. Thank you for coming to break it down. Oh, my pleasure. It's, it's always quite a treat to have somebody on, uh, or whenever you can do something in person, because in podcasting, it's always like it's over the internet, and there's a you know it's it's there's a little bit of delay, and people don't understand that they say I interrupt people a lot, which I do, <laughs> and I will to you, but it's it's worse when there's a delay on the internet as far as communicating. So it's really nice to have somebody in person and yeah. enough to in a place like this where we can sit down and actually do video and yeah. be on be my- on the internet video too. So. My pleasure, especially on this gorgeous Seattle day that we're having here, record temperatures. Yeah, so. it really is. And I also hope you don't think of this funny, but I also appreciate it whenever I can get a female guest. Oh, okay. And because this, I, I don't, um, again, people would say you don't ever have enough women on the show, and, it's, and I, I, that's not intentional. So I, on one hand, I don't want to affirmative action and just go find women to prove that I'm not opposed to having women on the show. <laughs> but when there's a... a, a woman that knows stuff and has stuff that i'd like to talk about even better well great kind of thing i'm glad i can represent and so you're a i'm going to call you a ketogenic nutritionist yeah does that work that's a specialist specialty that Mm -hmm. i specialize in yes well that way that's the purposes for which i'm interested in talking to you okay so that's the label that that i'll give there if that suits you but uh you also have a master's degree in just nutrition and tell me what it is. Well, it's a double master's degree. So it's uh-huh. uh, both in nutrition and it's called clinical health psychology, which you can just think of it as like mental health counseling from mm-hmm. behavioral health uh, aspect. So, but because yeah, I, I guess I can see what the point of that is. I'm, I'm guessing is because the knowing what foods you ought to eat is probably just less a lot less than half the battle right well like yeah it's it, the, the habits and what you choose to do despite your knowledge is is a big part of it yeah exactly and it kind of goes both ways so mm-hmm. you've got um you know making a big change like ketogenic diet that we're talking about here mm-hmm. um there's a lot of psychology that goes into that but also what you eat affects your psychology and your I mind see. um we can talk about that more as well. Some of the really amazing um, effects that they have on the brain, the ketogenic diet has on depression, yeah. anxiety, yeah, um, Alzheimer's and that. stuff. So, yeah. Well, I, I do want to talk about that, but I th- and I don't want to be uh, remedial or anything, but I do feel like we have to go through some of what the ketogenic diet is. Although, I'm really impressed with how prominent, and maybe it's just because I've been doing it for a while that I notice, notice it a lot, but it really does seem like it's out there in a way that it hasn't been before in recent years, like, Am I right about that? Like it's 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 been around. There's versions of it have been around, but I hear it all the time from different sources now. All of a sudden, is that just because I'm paying attention? Yeah, I, you know, I wonder. And too, here in Seattle, we kind of have a bubble of mm-hmm. progressive people that maybe are a little more cutting edge. I still think it's a very small portion of the population that knows about it. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting into circles and groups and forums that are into that, then your your yeah. worldview starts to change a little bit. If you're so, looking for a Honda. Yeah. To buy one, you see it everywhere. Exactly. Kind of thing. So exactly. That might be part of the effect yeah. going on. So, but I don't think everybody knows what it is. And uh, essentially, you, uh, one way to look at it is you could call it a uh, low carb, high fat diet. L C H F. You see that? Yeah. Acronym well, around a lot. I would add moderate protein. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that sets it apart from an Atkins diet, for example. Mm-hmm. Because the Atkins diet is what different? It typically is unlimited protein. Unlimited. So right, it's, they even don't... this is not even high protein. It's a lower or moderate protein. Exactly. Because right. protein itself can be anti-ketogenic. Exactly. When you right. get over, I don't know. That's what I want to talk about okay. is here's what's interesting to me from the way I look at it is, uh, and if you say Atkins, people freak out. There's tons of ways yeah. that people think about this stuff, but I don't really like to think about diets or fad diets. And everybody's been through this phase and that phase and the 
caveman this and the blood type this and the Atkins this. And, and it all kind of seems like it comes and goes. So to me, yeah. I like to try to learn how metabolism, food, and science work mm-hmm. and then let that inform just what I eat without yeah. trying to follow somebody's plan. So that's yeah. kind of my intent is to help other people understand your body and nutrition and then you can decide how you want to eat and and look at it as pros and cons and and less like uh i guess it's weird because you want to look at it less of um what should what's good or bad and just what are your goals and what are you trying to accomplish kind of thing and so for this one i think the biggest thing that freaks people out is when you tell them it's high fat that's obviously the biggest barrier is it's high fat and i and um i've done my calculator with my macro breakdown kind of thing on mm-hmm. so you tell me if this is right but from what i've seen read with my bmi and my height and my weight um i'm eat, trying to eat just around two thousand calories a day right now and i'm trying to get five percent of those from carbohydrates okay. which is about 25 carbs and then i'm getting around 100 grams of protein total which is 21 percent of my total calorie intake for the day and then i'm doing about 160 grams of fat a day which is 74 percent of the calories i consume are coming from fat what's your goal are you trying to lean up are you trying to bulk up are you trying to power your brain well i've played around with uh low carb diets for 10 years and i just whenever i do it i just feel like this is awesome but never no never as much as this time like i've uh, done it on and off for fun or with other people. I've never been really overweight, but this year I got to the heaviest I've been. I was 203 okay. pounds uh, at New Year's and said, all right, let's just go low carb. And as I got into low carb this time, I found the keto kind of community and even more support than before. And then I finally got some even really better understanding mechanically of how it yeah. works. And now I just am just so into it. Uh, I dropped about 23 pounds. Okay. Um, but I wasn't feeling too big. That really wasn't the issue. But I just, the benefits of the way it makes me feel is so convincing. Yeah. And then the science behind it is so convincing that it yeah. is just a good it's a, it's better it just yeah. seems like like just the healthier way to eat but I have a hard time convincing people of it <laughs> yeah i mean just just yesterday when i go into starbucks and get a you know an iced coffee and mm-hmm. i tell them heavy cream, heavy cream make sure heavy half, cream not, not right. the brevet stuff and they're like oh really and i said well yeah i specialize in this in in my private practice and like they're already judging you just it, to get your just the barista yeah, yeah. And, and she says well that works if you have a healthy heart though right uh-huh and I was like, well, I, I'm, I'm going to leave now because we're not going <laughs> to. <laughs> so, yeah, because the thing is, I mean, the simplest way people think about it is, well, if I eat fat, that equals I get fat. Yeah, or it clogs your arteries as Or clogs well. your arteries yeah, is yeah. the other thing, yeah. And so, okay, I'll just let, I mean, I'm talking enough here. Well, yeah. How is that not the case? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Well, I mean. Let me get a little closer here. All right. Feel free. There you go. Get right up on it. People will appreciate it because your voice will sound more okay. commanding if you're close to the mic. I don't want to lick it the won't microphone be too loud. here. It's okay. just fine. You're perfect. Just ignore <laughs> it, but don't be afraid of it. It's red. It's like a clown's <laughs> nose right below me here. Um, well, so the, there was actually, I mean, we've been sold to build goods the last 30 years. We mm-hmm. were told that fat was evil, that it clogged our arteries, it caused heart disease, but the truth was that it was all uh, a theory. Uh-huh. And the people that 
proposed it 30 years ago. Well, it's at ago. least obvious. Fat makes you fat. I well, mean, yeah. I, I mean, but. the people that proposed it 30 years ago, though, it was just a theory, and they believed so strongly in it that they pushed the government to push through these regulations mm-hmm. to reduce fat. And so they've been trying for 30 years to come up with some research. They were trying to prove it all this time. And then finally, mm-hmm. they gave up after 30 years, and they realized the opposite was really true. And so it, it breaks down basically to hormone signaling. So insulin is mm-hmm. one of the signals that tells your body to store fat in right. the body. And fat does nothing to release insulin. It's the of the only, you know, protein, fats and carbs, it's the only one that has no effect on insulin. And so fat uh-huh. doesn't set, signal your body to store fat. It's it turns out right. it's carbohydrates. Yeah, so in, so insulin everybody knows that for instance a diabetic so the pancreas makes insulin, and if your blood sugar gets high, you will die. If your blood sugar just simply gets too high and you can't fix it with in- in- insulin from the pancreas, is is fatal. And that's why people can die if they have type 1 diabetes or whatever, right? But insulin itself is a hormone that signals fat storage. Is mm-hmm. that right? Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so it's, if you it's just pretty- think about it on that way, is it a good idea to make your blood sugar go high? Yes, if you want a hormone to, to turn on that says store fat now. Right, right. I mean, the the analogy is is that farmers have known for years to fatten up the cows. You feed them grain. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so yeah. feed them a high carbohydrate diet, and and that's what fattens up. That's cattle. True. I mean, that was something that was. I think that was in Atkins' book, his original book uh-huh. back in the '60s. So he'd figured it out, but we started to buy into this, mm-hmm. you know, fat being bad myth that was well, going around. But it is bad if you're also, I mean, if you have a ton of extra calories floating around that are from fat and, and protein and you have too many, you have too many calories and the insulin's triggered, then, then that fat will also, will be stored as yeah. fat as well. Yeah. The, uh, the, the absolute worst diet that you can eat is high carb and high fat. Right. And that's what, most of the United States people mm-hmm. are, are eating right now. High mm-hmm. fat, high carb. Right. That is a recipe for every most of the chronic Everything. diseases we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing high fat without the high carbs, right. then for most people, that's very healthy. And yeah. it brings about some really... Im- I'm glad you said that for most people because certainly it's not everything's not uniform and, and everybody's different in the way their body handles stuff. Like some people have a higher car- carb tolerance, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that breaks down to um, genetics and... Mm-hmm gut biome and previous life habits yeah. and so the whole thing is, is uh, people talk about it as if it's a switch so there's uh so you you're either in fat storage mode or fat burning mode is that are we getting close to what ketosis is does that describe um, it well i guess i don't well i don't know that i would because you could not lose weight and be in ketosis. So, mm-hmm. for example, people with epilepsy or uh-huh. um, brain tumors, especially small children, they can be on a ketogenic diet and they're not losing weight. Uh-huh. So they're just in fat burning mode. Fat, but, there, um, but, but what I mean by that is this your fuel source. Your fuel source yeah. is either going to be sugar. Uh, so maybe, does it, does it break down, like if you just thought of it, like man designed to live in earlier times when food was scarce mm-hmm. you would i think that's part of what this is where if like or like a bear or something you build up fat so you want to be storing fat if food is scarce and you mm-hmm. have a, a time when you can get all this abundant food and you have berries and meat and you had all this stuff you would feast as much as you can and hope to get as fat as you can right right and then in the winter months or when things are lean or when you have to travel across right. a continent um, it's going to be lean and then you're going to be in fat burning mode that whole time you're going to be burning your stored yeah. fat and during that time you will not have your your blood sugar and insulin level will be low and you would begin 
ketosis. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why the preponderance of the United States population right now and a lot of the world population is that, you know, we evolved, if you will, uh-huh. to... Uh, to survive those situations mm-hmm. you described. And so uh, that's a preponderance of the people that we have now are all those ones that are really good at storing fat and mm-hmm. the presence of excess carbohydrates. And then, but we never get the off switch. So we never get that carb deprivation yeah, state never, anymore, you right? You hit that. So it's, yeah. all, it's only a one-way yeah. ticket. For, so it's, for all, it's just fat storage all the time. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, because we're not getting exposed to that metabolic flexibility of having to burn, yeah. you know, having to go back into ketosis, fat burning mode, um, then because our cortisol or cortisol and insulin mm-hmm. and uh, glucose are too high all the time, then it's just starting to cause all those chronic diseases or disease of civilization, you might say, too. So, yeah, because we're not using both modes that humans are adapted for. Right. So what when you go into ketosis, what exactly happens? So you go 24, 48 hours without carbo- enough carbohydrates, and then what happens? Yeah, I kind of think of it as kind of three phases that you've got to adapt to. So the first part is that um, cut down on carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Most people do restrict down to 20 grams or less per day is kind of a guaranteed get into ketosis mode. So you've got to starve your body of the carbohydrates first, but it still wants to burn carbohydrates. So it goes to its only storage place, which is liver glycogen. Mm -hmm. Um, For most people, your liver stores about three to five days worth of glycogen Mm -hmm. in there. So that is what your body turns to first when you start restricting carbohydrates. So for the first three to five days, you're still not in ketosis. You're still burning carbs. You're still using the glycogen storage. And and burning carbs specifically means that our cells are getting fuel from glucose in the blood? Yeah, right, right. Or probably, you know, which is also dietary carbohydrates, right? Right. And dietary carbohydrates as they come in. And yeah, so I guess the, yeah. It, we turn carbohydrates and sugars into glucose either immediately or the liver shoots them out into our bloodstream as, yeah. it, as needed. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe as basic as uh, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, bread and pasta mm-hmm. and even fruit, um, things that don't even taste sweet on our tongue, like bread, for example, or whole grains, Mm -hmm. our body still breaks them down into sugar and into glucose in our blood. Um, All right. And so now your liver's out of glycogen. Now what? Yeah. So now your body's got to go for another fuel source. And for most people, their body's really rusty at using fat as its primary fuel. And so... Mm -hmm. um, that next phase, so let's say it took uh, three days for somebody to burn through their liver glycogen, um, their body's got to now start increasing the production of enzymes mm-hmm. that allow them to take that stored fat and use it as fuel. And so um, there's a, the second phase I think of as that fat adaptation then is where the body's kind of gearing up and amping up the production of those enzymes and just getting better at taking stored fat, mm-hmm. using that for energy, making ketone it's a, bodies. It's a transition thing. Like, and, right. the, and, the, and the third day, when you, whenever I go out or back into ketosis or I just start the diet, uh, that's the third day is when I feel not really good. Okay. And for me, it's only maybe a half of one day or one day where I feel irritable and a little bit foggy. That's okay. me. I've heard other people report worse. Not that bad. I don't even really dread it, but some people ha- report worse than that during that time of making the switch. How, how about you? Yeah, for me, it hit about day five, and mm-hmm. a lot of people call it the keto flu. Yeah. Um, there's some thought that part of it is um, 
electrolyte imbalance because uh-huh. ketogenic diets very uh, has a very strong diretic effect. Another part is the the carb withdrawal. So it's actually yeah. just like a drug just withdrawal your that your brain goes yeah. through. Yeah, and you know it feels very similar to from what I understand to be like a heroin withdrawal. It yeah. can be that makes shakes sense. and body aches and really seriously like a flu feeling for I me. I didn't think about that. That makes sense. Yeah. I was thinking it was had to do with the fact that your brain is changing its fuel source at that like it's first because your brain normally takes a glucose and that goes right in and is your brain power which you know what's interesting i saw um is to really realize that the brain uses like 20 or 25 percent of your calories it's just Mm. to power your brain and then you know it really uses that fuel source so um it and but it's also able to use ketones right once the glucose is gone so i figure maybe that makes it that's just a guess, but maybe that's the part of like your brain's kind of freaking out because it's changing fuel sources. Yeah, there. I haven't heard that theory, but you know, you know, frankly, there's probably not a lot of research yeah. on keto flu and exactly yeah. the physiology of what's going on in the body or the biochemistry of it. So, so do you think of ketones as a as a macronutrient? Um, I mean, technically, in the nutrition field, they're not. Uh-huh. Um, they're something different. They would be considered like a metabolite, uh-huh. um, but they're not a macro. So macronutrients are things we get from food. We okay. can't get ketone bodies from our food. So um, just like, you know, uh, have you studied the Krebs cycle mm-hmm. or the TCA cycle? There's all those metabolites in there as well. None of those are considered macronutrients. Um, so let me see. I see if I'm, I'm rusty on this, but I did go to pre-med school in, yeah. in biology. And one of the, the main things you learn in, in biology is the real detailed process oh of my gosh. Krebs, yeah. uh, respiration and photosynthesis. Mm-hmm. That's the things you spend like the whole first semester on whatever. So. And you're like, why do I they ever call need the to know this? acid cycle mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah, and it's right. like a NAD pH production mm-hmm. and pyruvate and acetyl CoA, that kinds of exactly, those kinds of things. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember the ins and outs yeah. of it, but I can. And this is a big round chart and it has all these reactions yeah. that happen around it. And then, do you remember the the carnitine shuttle? No. Oh, okay, maybe so that's, I, maybe I dropped out before that. But, that's yeah. an alternate pathway. That's basically mm-hmm. the fat metabolism. How your body gets energy from fat is the carnitine shuttle so maybe you learned it and you you blocked it out yeah i I remember (laughs) krebs cycle sticks out is definitely something i did but uh if so is is it still well let's get into it i may i don't know if we're over in in the weeds to some degree what kind of foods can we eat like let's just let's just shift what did you eat today Oh gosh. Well, so I, I mean, I naturally do intermittent fasting. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've talked about that or not, no, I but, but I'm interested. Um, I tend to not wake up hungry. I'll mm-hmm. have coffee in the morning and I make some kind of a fatty concoction to go in my coffee. So this morning it was, um, coconut milk beverage, which is low carb naturally, but then I add coconut oil to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I add this morning, I added some cocoa powder to that. And mm-hmm. I have several cups of coffee in the morning. Um, that's typically what I have like for breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. and I knew I was going to go out to dinner later tonight with a friend. And so I, and I wasn't really hungry before I came down, but I grabbed a handful of pepperoni slices yeah. and then I had some cream and some coffee. Um, as well. So I haven't had much to eat, but I'm not, I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, I right. feel like I could keep going. So, so this is what, so this is where this all starts to work. If, if you're following us so far at this point, you, what we're saying is you eat fat, cream, pepperoni, <laughs> as much fat as you can get with carb restrictions. And the idea is that your appetite is wildly suppressed. Like it really, mm-hmm. and, and thus we lose weight. 
Yeah. Is that well, right? and, um, and you get all the other health benefits of it mm-hmm. too. So, um, but the, the, the billboard one for everybody that gets them, you know, like you can say, Oh, there's health benefits yeah. to eating kale. I'm not going right. to, I'm not going to do it. But if you tell me <laughs> that you will lose 20 pounds and there's health benefits, yeah, now I mean, I, maybe I'll get, maybe that's worth, you know, looking into it and having a little bit of discipline. I know you're right. That's what people are willing to pay right. money for, or that's, that's right. what they really want. Um, in my program that I have, I, I, insist that everyone come up with more reasons than that yeah. because it's really easy then with if, if some food is really tempting to you to go oh well if it's only for weight loss like i can do that tomorrow so mm-hmm. i'm going to eat this instead whereas if somebody has a bigger reason like they want to get rid of their migraine pain migraine headaches that have been debilitating them or they want a, uh, a pain in their foot that's kept them from walking for a year mm-hmm. or for me it was i was bedridden for three months um and i wanted to get well and go back to work so for me wow. that was why i do this why were you bedridden? Um, it, two years ago, I was in a really bad car accident. A uh-huh. um, lot of serious health problems. A couple of waves of different symptoms. One was crush injuries to my legs. And then the second wave was neuroendocrine problems. So kind of a issue going on with my brain. It wasn't working right. So um, caused all of my endocrines in my body, endocrine glands, to not mm. work correctly. Wow. So yeah, so that's my big reason. And then as a side effect, yeah, I lost a lot of weight as well. And it was like, all right. Um, I'll take it, but That's my biggest reason is this other health. And stuff how did you right. get into who to, who got, you know told you you were aware of it as a nutritionist? Well, I only had like a little exposure in school. It wasn't mm-hmm. we didn't get any big education about it. It was mentioned in almost in passing that this was a therapeutic diet that was used to treat epilepsy. That's mm-hmm. about all I learned about Which it. Which is crazy too. And I want to get back to that. But I yeah. still want to st- I still want to talk about what foods we eat. Oh yeah, yeah, still yeah. too. But yeah, it doesn't. Um, but so how did did you find this diet though? Like who? turns you on to well you know being bedridden and i mean my symptoms were a mile long as Mm -hmm. far as how sick i really was and i went to doctor after doctor and nobody could really help me they didn't know what was wrong or offer any solutions and so i just started researching on my own and i actually found you know post-traumatic hypopituitarism is what i believe that i had and then i started having lab results that confirmed that Uh and i couldn't find a doctor that knew how to treat that either and they're like, okay, great. If that's what you have, good luck to you, right? That's so, what it is, yeah. yeah. So I, you know, no, you know, my uh, training is like, how do I help my body heal itself? Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about, okay, so what do I know nutrition wise? Okay, I've heard of this ketogenic diet and helping the brain for epilepsy. Maybe it'll help my body, you know, my brain heal itself. Mm-hmm. And so I just started reading everything I could find on it. And the more I read, I thought, gosh, I think this is really yeah. going to work. And and I knew that it takes about ninety days to really get adapted to it Mm -hmm. and so that's the first commitment i made to myself was like i'm going to try this for 90 days if it doesn't help me feel any better i'll give it up but Mm -hmm. i'll at least give it a good try and it didn't even take that long it was just you know in the first few days all my symptoms started to go away and the chronic pain i was having in my legs as well um subsided and even now, 10 and a half months later, I still notice more things that are like, wow, that's so much better mm-hmm. now, too. And I hate to, to purport it. Or I, first of all, I ain't no commercial. This, I, don't, I don't have any book to sell or nothing like that. I just think it's uh, interesting. So I'm, I'm interested in talking about it. But it does almost, I don't want to say it's magical, all the stuff it cures. But it feels, yeah. I mean, I definitely have, uh, you know, less pains that it's just clear and i'm not a person to want to believe in that that kind of stuff is even true but for sure neck pain pain when i sleep back pain things like that things that may be related to inflammation mm-hmm. maybe i'm not sure maybe it's just having a few less pounds but it 
is different. It's definitely, I mean, re- there's research to validate that it's very anti-inflammatory uh-huh. and it, that also goes against what we were taught. I mean, even I was taught in school that saturated fats are pro-inflammatory mm-hmm. and animal proteins are pro-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So you need to avoid those. Um, the, All right. So don't it, avoid animal protein. No. And, and saturated fats are anti-inflammatory. Like, you know, my labs show that my inflammation within the first two weeks of doing this dropped 70% in my wow. body. So and eat pepperoni. Eat. I mean, that's not an everyday thing yeah. for me, but it was something I had that was quick and easy to grab. And Coconut oil mm-hmm. is saturated fat. Yes. Um, yeah. Olive oil is saturated, unsaturated. No, no. One of the tests you can know is that if it's solid at room temperature, mm-hmm. depending on the temperature, because uh-huh. coconut oil is lower, uh, solid at room temperature True. is a saturated fat. So like butter, butter coconut oil, palm oil is saturated, lard, yeah. um, you know, a steak, the fat in the steak is going to be saturated as well. And so is, uh, so, but do you think even between those two, saturated and unsaturated, you should uh, do less saturated? Does it matter to you? No, from what I... People are going to say, well, blood work. What about your HDLs and LDLs? You're going to get, you're going to, you're going to clog your arteries if you eat saturated fat. That's what people say. Yeah. And and maybe there's, is there something to that? My doctor says maybe watch the saturated fats. Well... Although my report, my blood work is good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what people see over and again is that... They follow a ketogenic diet. They eat more saturated fat than they've ever eaten, and their blood work is better than it's ever been. And it's it's so real- you have no shame on saturated versus unsaturated. Like you don't you don't, you say it doesn't matter. No, Crisco is just as as good as olive oil to you. Not Crisco. Okay. <laughs> well, so you know, there's a people will say like, well, it's okay if you eat fat as long as you eat the good fats, yeah. right? And that definition is kind of morphed as well. Even for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still call bad fats uh, hydrogenated okay. fats. So like trans Crisco, fats. yeah, trans yeah. fats, hydrogenated fats. Okay. Those are pretty universally bad. labeled bad, right? Okay. Like I, I don't think there's anybody out there in the nutrition world that would argue those are good fats. So mm. we can all agree on one thing. Okay. Um, the Probably the area that's kind of gray then where you might see the two different sides disagreeing is that you still have a lot of um, nutrition professionals that are saying like seed oils, like liquid oils are mm. healthy, right? So like sunflower oil or safflower oil, those are what they would label as healthy, um, but they're really high in omega-6, and omega-6 fats actually are more pro-inflammatory okay. than saturated fats. So you fats. don't like seed oils? No. Um, I, I uh, Olive oil, I think it's great. It has mm-hmm. a long history of use. It's been used for more than 5,000 years. Everybody's pretty big on that. Yeah, and they yeah. can extract it in very te- it's simple way. It's unsaturated too. So. Yeah, and it's got some good com- compounds in it, and it's you know they can chop the olives up, press those, and that's how it comes out. Whereas all the other seed oils that are out there, you know, think about how do they make canola oil? I don't know. Exactly. Like you can't squeeze a canola seed and the oil just drips out of it. They've got to do a lot of chemical uh-huh. processing to it and it doesn't exist in, in nature. So that's one of my uh, th- tests of, you know, is this something that should be put in our body? Mm-hmm. Does it exist in nature that way? Um, or is it close to the way it exists in nature? Yeah, and fats um, are a big part of that. So I'm eating a crazy amount of avocados. Okay, that's a yeah, good one. Right? I love those too. Yeah, avocados and eggs and sausage. I could just eat all the time. Yeah, you know, which is weird because they say a breakfast. People think, oh, we've gotten. All, I'll tell you what. I'll eat a light breakfast. I'll have an apple and a bagel. Okay, that's all. I'll have a light breakfast. People would think, but that's oh, terrible. Right, right. I thought you were just telling me that no, was I'm your keto saying, breakfast. No, no like, it's not my keto <laughs> breakfast. I'm saying people, we go, I'm, yeah. all the room, I'm just going to have a yeah. croissant yeah. and maybe an orange. And a, and a white chocolate mocha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, but instead I say, you know, well, how about sausage, bacon, yeah. avocado, and two eggs? Yeah. And that they well, that that's the worst. That sounds like the worst artery clogging thing in the world. <laughs> but it, it, how is it not? 
Well, because um, and I'll lose weight on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so <laughs> so the myth, part of the myth is is that you know you eat fat and it goes straight in your veins and it clogs it. Mm-hmm. You probably can see online if you look up, people uh, share that meme that shows like you wouldn't pour bacon fat down your drain. Why would you eat it? Right? Uh-huh. Like that, our body doesn't work that way. So what goes in our mouth doesn't go straight in our right. blood vessels. It gets digested and broken down. Um, the the cholesterol that's in our own blood is what our body makes. It's not the cholesterol you ate that makes your cell walls. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a very clear biological process that happens or biochemical process that insulin is one of the signals that actually signals your body to make more cholesterol, especially the LDL, the bad kind of cholesterol. Mm -hmm. So um, carbohydrates actually have a bigger tie. Excessive carbohydrates have a bigger tie to the wrong cholesterol profile and clogging arteries. So it's very, very clearly known that people with diabetes have a very high chance of developing heart disease. Well, why Mm -hmm. is that? It's not because people with diabetes, um, only ate too many, uh, bacon, bacon burgers with no buns, Mm -hmm. right? It's because they ate too many carbohydrates. They caused too much inflammation in their body. Um, the, they their body made a lot of extra cholesterol and there was damage in the cells the the uh, artery walls which then starts to um the body starts trying to heal that so um some of the mechanism we know how it happens but uh, largely the whole process of heart disease is still a big unknown Mm -hmm. yeah and so all we have when we talk about heart disease is risk factors basically they just say in your blood work there's there's this rate of ldl is your lipid profile and therefore um you are technically at risk because this is this these levels have been linked to this and that's really all we know in some ways but it's not that clear what causes all the heart disease which is weird to think we don't know better than stuff like stuff like it's almost hard to believe that we don't understand nutrition better than oh gosh yeah just the tip of the iceberg i mean for some of the vitamins and minerals or for the vitamins it's just been a hundred years that we've even identified them so So, weird though it's like the most important thing we do that we think about all the time is eat and it feels like we don't know much well i mean but isn't that kind of ironic that we have to even know about nutrition right if you go back thousands of Uh years people just ate the food that grew locally and they were okay and healthy you know what else (laughs) if we only lived life expectancy was 40 almost nothing would matter like well but those those, (laughs) uh when people died that young it was like of infections and yeah i know that's what i'm saying but if we didn't if we didn't try to live to we're 100 yeah we a lot of stuff wouldn't matter like smoking wouldn't matter if you're only trying to live till 38 right right go for it yeah yeah. you know so now that we have we had potential to live long we see all these things as really bad and killers and i guess maybe only in the last few decades and a couple of centuries it even mattered to even think about well it, but, but you know we have type 2 diabetes used to be something that was only adult diabetes and we yeah. have children now it's that crazy, are being diagnosed yeah. with type 2 diabetes so there's something more than just the fact that we're living longer that's causing all these things to go on it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a and lot of it's diet related pro- processed foods probably right right yeah and it, you know it's convenience i mean it it's, seems like cancer is getting more and more like i hear the groundswell of more and more people just feeling like cancer in general um is is really tied to just weird and bad diet stuff that seems to be people thinking if we can get cleaner better food we'd have less of that and i've even heard i heard somebody recently on people talking about ketogenic ways of starving out cancer and, and some interesting mm-hmm. research that they think could could be that that way too yeah i mean there's definitely um some types of cancer that respond really well to a ketogenic diet in by really well i mean that you know has Slows a positive outcome stuff, yeah. outcome yeah there are some other ones that doesn't make a big difference on but a lot of them it really can do do uh 
Sorry, I lost my place. Let's see if I got a question here since I lost my place. <laughs> um, since we're doing this live. So Raya asked that question. She says, D- do you recommend carb ups for women? Oh, gosh. When and how is the best time to do that? I don't know we're what gonna carb br- ups are. We're going to bring this up. So this is a really, I, I feel this is a really controversial topic. What is a carb up? So there there, um, there are some, uh, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, start any kind of a feud or badmouth anybody or anything like that. I'll just, ex- you know, there's, you know, s- at least one person that I know that's prominent in the ketogenic world that says that women need to eat carbs at least like once a week or something like that. Have uh-huh. a night where they eat a lot of and carbs. And unique to women that this claim. Yeah, and it's like. actually, I mean, um, you know, there was one research study that was posted that was saying that it was necessary for thyroid function. However, the research study that was cited was had nothing to do with somebody following a ketogenic diet or low-carb diet. And so um, there are some people, so what I've seen, the people that do these carb ups and do really well with them. What is that, a cheat day? Is yeah, that what so that they don't call it that. And, okay. and for some reason, they still say that's a ketogenic diet. But you know the Toby science enough. Because sent the same question. He's just a, a regular dude. He does other podcasts. And he says, okay. ask her, can we do cheat yeah, days? Yeah. <laughs> that's what he wants well, to know. Well, if you understand, okay, so if you understand, let's let's go back to the physiology of what's going on in the body. So the same thing happens in reverse that I described going into ketosis. So mm-hmm. your first part is burning off your liver glycogen. If you're going to have a cheat day or if you're going to eat more carbs and your body can uh, burn off really quickly, then the first thing that happens, your body starts to restore liver glycogen. And so, you know, for people that are interested in weight loss, you can put on five to 10 pounds, you know, in a week of doing that. Um, But it also causes a lot of symptoms. So it causes a lot of gas and bloating because you're just gaining a lot of weight in one area of your body. Um, It's hard for your body to digest those carbohydrates. And if you're doing it for any kind of a health reason, like, you're spiking your insulin you're spiking your glucose doing that and if you have any kind of a health reason you're doing it at all that's absolutely not good and one of the biggest challenges people have too is that um it triggers that brain chemistry again so you know what you go through when you go through the keto flu Mm -hmm. you just refed that craving um so if you know anybody who's gotten off of alcohol or drugs or anything like that if they have one hit of that yeah they don't do a cheat day for right that, exactly for they the go air. out of, they go on a bender right yep. and the yeah, same thing I've, for I've most done that yeah for most people that have you know a cheat day or a cheat meal or a carb up it's extremely hard to stop because of the brain chemistry yeah. part of that because is, is there really like dopamine release with sugar like people oh, always absolutely. say that it's the same as crack it's, but yeah what, can what does that matter? It's not the people tell me that it's the same as heroin. Yeah. It's not the same. But what is what is the happening? The way it acts in your brain, it absolutely is the same. It just yeah. in the sense that heroin and carbs, both sugar, both give you some dopamine release. Is that well? It, it it's the part of the brain. It's the animalistic part of the brain. The oldest part of the brain is mm-hmm. where addiction happens, and you know it's a complex process. But um, it does feed that part of the brain, and when it gets one little hit of that, mm-hmm. it wants more. Yeah, and so that's why when people you know become addicted to carbohydrates the same amount doesn't satisfy them and they want more and more that, and more of it. I just think of that as blood sugar. I mean, I, I believe that I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying there, but I think of that addiction part of it is like that crazy way that is so clear to me from mm-hmm. being on this other side of yeah. it, of the cycle of having high blood sugar and then low blood sugar. And I translate that and say, I'm starving. I've got to have some crackers and some bread. Yeah. So that, that, but that feels like addiction in a way, but it's really crazy to look at now. I don't have that ever. I never feel full. I never feel very hungry, and sometimes I go, oh, I probably should eat. Yeah, that would be good yeah. to get some food, but no 
no longer at all do I go, oh my gosh, I'm starving. Right. And nor do I feel, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. That never happens, no matter how much I eat. Right. It's all suppressed or regulated somehow. And that must be blood sugar ups and downs. Well, what you were describing, that feeling does sound like blood sugar. Uh But but most people have both of it. They have the brain chemistry part, the addiction Uh part triggered, and they've got the blood sugar issues Mm -hmm. on top of that. And so for some people, it's really hard to tease out. But my training and experience for me, I can tease those apart and know the difference. Yeah. So I also figure it would be interesting. Like I proposed a diet one time, just like a thought experiment. If you did a diet where all you did was write down what you ate and how you felt afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then every week you eliminate the bottom five worst feeling things that you ate. Then if you did that for a few weeks, then you would be guaranteed to thin your diet out to stuff that you feel good after you eat it. And then if you went back and looked at that, you'd probably find it was... Low, low carb, you know, what I possibly, mean? yeah, except for in the beginning when your body's not used to digesting fat, it's mm-hmm. a little harder, and some people have a harder time than others eating a higher fat diet at first. Mm-hmm. So, there's some adaptation there as far as your digestion goes. But as far, I want to finish the carb up okay. thing because, um, as far as for women, um, the only women that I've seen that do well with that, and and again, the carb up is it's um, a high eating one meal um, in the evening, um, once a week, or sometimes people are doing it every night which is not a ketogenic diet because no, you can't yeah, just you're not you can't eat low, you do yeah you can't than, exactly and even if you're doing it once a week it takes another three days yeah, to get back to ketosis up, and so you might get one day a week that you're really in ketosis so um so they're eating a high carb meal like um you know sweet potatoes or something like that or fruit um and they're the only way that it works though is if you do it low fat so if you do high carb, high fat, again, that's a terrible recipe, right? So they're advocating a very high carbohydrate meal in the evening. And um, um, the women that I've seen that do really well with that are mm-hmm. the ones that are lean to start with. And they have metabolic flexibility. They're not high insulin. carbohydrate tolerance. Exactly. And yeah. they're not insulin resistant. So, yes, insulin resistant. Yeah. So and that happens the older you get to, insulin resistance. It, it can. And that's when type, is that? Type 2 diabetes when you just either don't make it or are resistant to insulin? Well, insulin resistance, actually, anybody who starts gaining weight. So you might have been developing a little bit of insulin resistance yourself Mm -hmm. because that that weight gain process is your body going, whoa, we're getting way too many carbohydrates on an ongoing basis. So you might have had a little bit, but you might be a lot less insulin resistant Mm -hmm. than somebody who... You know, gained a hundred pounds. Yeah, well, for I've example. always eaten anything I want to forever. Like I've always yeah. been thin and just always eating whatever I want to. And it's, you know, when you see people that are fifty that you hadn't seen in a while, fifty years old, and all yeah. of a sudden their neck's different. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm on that train. I'm going to be that soon, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so I just feel like let's get it, let's get it under control. Yeah. Now, but I, I know that you know you get people that are skinny when they're 30 will still will still be bigger when they're 50 yeah. just the way it goes yeah yeah so as far you know i want to close the door on the carb up thing it it, it can work for people that are mm-hmm. metabolically flexible mm-hmm. there's no reason actually though that women need carbs and actually women um there's a, a large research study that was called the nurses study i don't remember what year it was from but it very clearly showed that women who ate a higher fat diet actually had better health uh-huh. outcomes so there's there's zero reason that women need carbs more than anyone else else um but this whole carb up thing um it's popular it because good. people right they it like they mo- i want to eat carbs right saturdays i can 
is, is my cheat yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's not a ketogenic diet. It's, you know, more of a flexible diet. And mm-hmm. there's certainly people that could eat that way and be healthy. Sure. But they're gonna be people that don't have a history of being, you know, fifty pounds or more overweight, that don't have type two diabetes that run in their family. They don't have a history of um, having a little carbs and they can't stop. Uh-huh. Um, and so most of the people that I've heard that try that, then they feel really frustrated because they think like, well, I had I tried a carb up night and then I end up binging for three days. What's wrong with me? And I'm being told I need carbs. So gosh, what's wrong with me? But they they don't need them. It's all right. Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> so what, we're basically with the 20 carbs a day. What what does that look like? What 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 would you do to get 20 carbs? Let's- I I um I encourage people to just get those mostly from veggies. I mean, so it, it adds up so fast. Yeah, it if does. If you're not paying attention. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I count, I came up, you're, do, I think you're kind of doing it the hard way by trying to do the, the percentages. I've done the others. I've done, when I first started doing, I would just say 20 carbs a day yeah. and I'd read the nutrition facts. That's the easiest yeah. way to get into it. Well, just, and don't worry about anything else until you get used to it. Well, and but. I teach people um, a meal formula so that each meal they're eating, you know, a portion of their fats, proteins, and carbs, mm-hmm. and so that by the end of the day, they hit their macros without having to do any math. Right. Um, I'm just interested in that. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, some people, they like that, but I have people eat like a portion of some kind of protein, so whether that's, you know, chicken, fish, beef, pork, whatever they want to eat, bacon, um, or eggs, mm-hmm. and then they add to that, like, you know, usually it's like two or three cups of some kind of veggies, um, yeah. leafy greens, broccoli, cauliflower, uh, you know, you can do a little bit you of bell peppers. You even have to be careful with beans and no corn even yeah and certainly we certainly no fruit and sometimes i talk to people for 20 minutes about this like totally totally i'm like you know and no fruit what do you mean no fruit i know isn't it funny what do you mean i think it's funny like like, they can't even imagine everything else sounds fine to them and they're like no fruit forget it but i think it's weird it's not because they necessarily love fruit i just think it's just feels deeply offensive to people on a level for you to claim to them that fruit is not good for you which i'm not saying it's not good i'm saying it's not ketogenic yeah i try to clarify yeah. there but it's just fundamentally people their, their heads yeah. explode when you tell them an apple nope. is not you do not eat an apple at no, all no Don't whole do grains it. and no fruit this can't be good yeah, for whole you. Grain, yeah, yeah but the fruit one just kills people yeah. like what do you mean but pineapple though <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, don't eat pineapple. You know, pineapple, you know, right? You know, yeah. Tiniest sliver, and you've already got ten no carbs. apples. Yeah. What? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, and it's weird because the uh, the other thing that's freaking me out lately is that the vegetables ha- are so low. When I look at the macro, when I really mm. investigate what it is, I was looking at pickles. I was like, oh, I can eat pickles and cucumbers. I love yeah. them. And so I was looking at pickle spear, which is a quarter of a cucumber. Yeah, five calories in in that. And I'm thinking. This is devastating. Like if I want, if like even if I didn't want to, even if I was trying to cut down on like just eating meat all the time and cheese, which I do I eat a lot of, uh, I say, well, I eat more vegetables, and I look at, it, I go, you know how many pickles I'd have to eat to get two thousand calories? So <laughs> if if, it's, if a if a pickle or cucumber quarter is five calories, that yeah. means twenty in a whole cucumber. Yeah, and th- that means I need to eat one hundred cucumbers to get two thousand calories. I'd eat 100 cucumbers if I was just trying to get yeah. my caloric intake. You'd lose a lot of weight doing that because you'd be so full you, you couldn't, well, you eat couldn't them. do it. Or you'd have to eat like five pounds of lettuce or, or something yeah. or 10 pounds of lettuce just to, if you really wanted to say, well, I eat all veggies and do this. So then it kind of makes sense when you say, I put two tablespoons of olive oil on right, here right. And, or, or even a spoon, a big spoonful of almond butter or coconut oil yeah. because then that's another two, 300 calories just in the eat in just the oil I put yeah, on yeah. my cabbage. Yeah, and that's and the other... so none of the calories almost are coming from the cabbage, but I right. still want to get it because I don't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah, it gives you the feeling of bulk because if you right. just had, you know, a three-ounce steak and 
three yeah, tablespoons right. of butter, you'd be like, where's the rest of my meal? So Yeah, so it's yeah. like, are the vegetables important, though? Well, they are. So um, I remember this a few weeks ago, there was a post in one of the forums I'm in that was saying, uh, you know, do we even need do veggies? We even, that's what do I'm we saying. Even I'm need getting veggies? 10 calories from I, this. And so I, I kind of investigated that. So I, I track my diet on chronometer.com, which mm-hmm. is because it shows me my vitamins and minerals. And I wanted to, I wanted to prove to people that this was a healthy diet, right? Because I knew going into it that my nutrition cohort would all be like, uh, you know, that sounds like it's not very healthy. So I wanted to, so, okay, do we need vegetables? Can vegetables, can we get all of our nutrients we need Mm -hmm. from only from like animal protein or, um, coconut oil or whatever. And so I tried to put together a diet that was ketogenic, a one day meal plan, basically that, um, met all the vitamin and mineral needs for the day. And what I found was is that I did need to include some uh, key vegetables in order to get there. So an unpopular food group that a lot of people freak out is organ meats, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody likes to eat those anymore. But maybe in the South, due to chicken hearts there? They're more so in the South. They're okay. I eat some organ meats, but it's not my favorite. Yeah. I'm not afraid of it. They're the most nutrient dense. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to eat those anymore. So if you're not going to eat organ meats, you got to eat some more veggies. Which one do you like better? But um, so, you know, I found I had to... nutrient stuff in them. Yeah. So like broccoli, for example, is a great source of vitamin C. And if you're not eating citrus fruits, um, you're going to need to get your vitamin C from something else. So interestingly, uh, there's some vitamin C in liver of animals as well so i read and saw a thing on the guy who was living with the in alaska with the inuits or something like that and he was up there and said he ate nothing but blubber and fat and organs and fish for whatever and for like a year and then he came back and reported he's a scientist and they said no well you're obviously a liar because we know people that didn't yeah i remember that on the ships for three months got scurvy so whatever and they he said okay and he lo- they locked him in Bellevue Hospital in New York. Yeah. And for a year, he, he vo- they fed him his food. And he, I mean, he was, wasn't like on lockdown, but he was in B- the Bellevue Mental Hospital and said, confine me here, I'll yeah. show you. Yeah. And he said he had to eat all the organs, all the meat, boil mm-hmm. the broth and drink the broth. Of all, But he had a, like a 95% fat diet for like a year. Yeah. Didn't gain weight, was healthy, and didn't get scurvy. Right, and right. To, just to prove that. that was Yeah. Because like it's, it's actually in the digested, it's, it's somehow in the fat. And in the liver and the whatever other stuff that winds up in the broth, yeah. apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, and vitamin the, C. The one nutrient that I found that was kind of the hardest to get a lot of was potassium. However, there's still still some really good uh, sources that, like avocado, for example. Yeah. Fish is a great source of potassium. Cool. Um, the other thing about potassium is that we don't have what's called an RDA, like an amount that they know we need to get in mm-hmm. order to be healthy. There's something that's said is called an adequate intake, and the goal is 4,700 milligrams a day. Um, however, the reason they set that was in order to lower blood pressure, um, to not get kidney stones, and oh gosh, there was one other reason that they set it. But they're all things that actually, if you're following a ketogenic diet, those things go away anyways. And so it raises the question to me of like, well, what's the optimal potassium mm-hmm. intake for somebody who's doing a low carb approach? And that's really something we don't know because there isn't research that shows like when people are following a really low carb high fat diet what vitamin needs do they have and how does that differ from people eating a high carbohydrate diet we don't know a lot about that so but i was able to put together a ketogenic day of eating that met 100 percent of the vitamins and minerals so and that was doing a little bit of vegetables Mm so well i'm not opposed to vegetables i just always feel guilty like should i eat more and i try to and then sometimes i get frustrated because it's like i got to just scarf down a bunch of these it's not even helping me get to my because i have trouble sometimes getting to 2,000 calories on this diet 
Oh, okay. Like I'm looking yeah. for calories. Yeah. Like I better take another teaspoon of almond butter yeah. <laughs> is what I feel like sometimes in the afternoon when I hadn't eaten a whole lot and didn't feel good. Um, my friend Hain is a type 1 diabetic. Okay. And he got into this, uh, and he and I do an emailer where we send out the recipes and and Toby and I, Toby and Hain and I do that and Hain's been into this a long time and and has helped me through it and sent me a bunch of recipes. Um, he's a fireman. He's active. Uh, works out all the time every day and is on this diet. And by the way, if you want to get on that diet, we you can email. If you want to get on that email list where we share our recipes, then you can anybody wants to can email me at is it Matt Carter at badchristian.com? Yep. Okay, Matt Carter at badchristian.com is I'll add you to that keto list I call it um, but so I think it's interesting on one hand because he never takes insulin he doesn't have to do it ever and he goes to his doctor and his doctor can't believe it that he yeah. w- w- when he checks yeah. his blood sugar yeah. that it's regulated but right. it's regulated by this diet yeah. and also he works out all the time and is not under uh, fueled like he feel you know and, and I've read and seen stuff like that so is this diet work or I'll put it this way here's the, the naysayer question is yeah but I work out so I need carbs for my yeah. energy yeah well, um, for the most part, unless you're like an extreme athlete, mm-hmm. um, somebody who's doing a lot of sprint type exercises or um, uh, what's it called, like the burst type mm-hmm. exercise, those people do better if they do have some targeted uh carbohydrate intake Mm -hmm. and so there's a couple of approaches that you can look up you know reddit's a great source for that where they've got a targeted ketogenic diet or um a cyclic carb diet yeah so there are some people and again it's going to be extreme um sports or extreme workout styles where a little bit of carbs targeted at certain times can be helpful and beneficial for their performance however Mm -hmm. For the most part, most people, especially anybody doing like cardio or weightlifting stuff, just the average run-of-the-mill gym stuff or exercise, uh, your performance inc- improves dramatically. But it takes a little while, though, right? It it's does. Not, it's not after three days you're not adapted for no, that. Exactly. Though, right? That's where that kind of that yeah. 12 weeks or 90 days really okay. things start to kick that's in. Where yeah. people, I know people have done it. I've done it before yeah. and where it's like, well, I'm... I'm not able to work out as good. I really need some carbs. But you, it takes even how long? Maybe 12 weeks or 90 days before your your body's fully switched over. And, yeah, and, and you know it continues to improve and get better food. at it even yeah. after that. So, Do you think there's anything else? What, what would you recommend for people that are like, I'm really trying to work out here. Mm-hmm. I, what should I eat? Should I eat some carbs for workouts or some other supplement? Is there something I can do just to help me go do this big workout that I like to do? No, I... I and and the more times you refuel with carbs, the more you make your body go back into that mode. But is there dependent. not a, so, a ketogenic thing that you can do to get a boost when when you need it? What kind of boost? Energy, like, like you know. Well, I mean, it, if you're early on in the process, it's just you just have to be patient with your body mm-hmm. and let it adapt. But even if you've um, been doing it for a year and you're like, okay, you should. I'm going in for a big workout today. I yeah. wish I could eat a bar of something or how about exogenous yeah. ketones how about that kind of stuff well um, that's a whole other topic th- yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exogenous ketones hasn't really well gosh you know there's there are researchers who are doing a lot of work with that and they're um they're looking at the use of that for like you know navy seals mm-hmm. and different um uh military applications and things like that. And so I'm definitely not an expert on that. What I've heard for like the average person, the best use of exogenous ketones kind of helps. Um, like if you're traveling, for example, um, uh-huh. any kind of extra stress on the body can affect ketosis and maybe even kick you out of it. Even if you're eating on plan, 
And when you get kicked out of ketosis, that brings your appetite back, it brings cravings back, and it makes it harder to stay on plan when that's going on. And so mm-hmm. exogenous ketones can be a way in those type of situations that you can keep your body in ketosis, keep your appetite regulated so you can stay eating on plan and I not see. go on vacation and go wild and crazy. It's, um, it, they strike me, exogenous ketones strike me odd because it seems like you're eating so exogenous means that it came from somewhere else yeah is that, outside that, the body yeah. Uh, yeah so you didn't make the ketones didn't right come from your right, liver right. they came from something yeah. else and so you're going to eat it but on one hand i would think just like fat doesn't don't you just break it down does it stay as a ketone and then on the other hand if you're just going to pee it out or it's going to be in your blood anyway yeah. how does it help you if you didn't make it yeah so it it can put your body into the state of ketosis where you get that brain clarity um, reduced appetite so the benefits basically of ketosis but it does nothing to help your body make its own ketosis or become fat adapted at all so it's like a temporary thing um and what does it help you get back in if you've gotten kicked out or cheated it only in a sense that it regulates appetite and it lowers um, okay. cravings. So, so the, but other the secondary than that, benefits from it. Yeah, but other than that, it does okay. nothing to help you um, get fat adapted. Does nothing to help burn off that glycogen faster in your liver that you've restored. Um, it does nothing to upregulate um, enzyme production. You know, and it seems pretty fat. expensive. So I'm yeah, gonna, I'm it's just very stay it's very na- expensive. Yeah, for now. Yeah, <laughs> and I th- I think that uh, you know another area they're looking at application is people who are not following ketogenic diet or lifestyle and they just want an occasional that feeling in the brain like you know that clarity of mentality the mental clarity in your brain that you have when you're in ketosis and so by taking exogenous ketones you can get that same feeling and mental clarity so it could Mm -hmm. be like they're marketing it to like uh you know uh company executives right yeah, like you I can see. get this you know you can work all night or maybe college students or something like right. that but again it was it's like a more yeah it's like uh yeah i see so maybe that's a it's a whole market in the brain thing or new the new vigils and the new what is those things those it's not like that stuff is it then what is it pro vigil prove it or something that's one of the brands of brain or, yeah. stuff i've never, yeah. never gotten into any yeah. of it but it'd be interesting to explore but the yeah. stuff that really does make your brain function better and feel yeah. better oh i know yeah I don't know a lot about those either, but the the other application that exogenous ketones could be for people like um, um, like somebody with epilepsy, maybe that's mm-hmm. having a difficulty awesome. following a ketogenic diet, they may still be able to get that brain protection. Yeah. Um, but it's still again not like as soon as they run out of it or go off of it, their body's going to go right back to overproducing so glucose. It, so so. It, it's been the ketogenic diet's been used for a long time to stop seizures in people that have epilepsy that are resistant to drugs? Well, in about 1920 or 1930, um, pre any epilepsy medication. So mm-hmm. um, it was used as the primary way of treating epilepsy. It was what the the only way that they had be pre-medications. And so um, and it was very effective. However, when medications came on the scene, like which would people rather take a pill or change their diet or give up their bagel in the morning? So people started using medication and then um, that just became the go-to way that doctors treated it. And then they stopped telling people there was another option. And um, I'm seeing there is a bit of a movement back to that, but it's still um, not. But it seems it's effective though. The diet is effective effective for that. And then you mentioned earlier something about it being, we've talked about a bunch of stuff from inflammation to aches and pains to mental clarity again i'm not selling nothing here it sounds like i'm gonna say all those things but it's just they seem to be the case and then um do is there also 
Did you also say something about depression? You, do you think it had anxiety? I don't know anything yeah. About that. Tell yeah. me about that. So um, I didn't know the mechanism behind it. I was listening to a podcast. They're mm-hmm. great, aren't they? Yeah. What one was it? <laughs> with um, I forgot the name of it, but with Dom D'Agostino. Yeah, he's yeah, a, Dom, yeah. He's the one that I hear talking about exogenous ketones. But, yeah, yeah. Well, he's one, the prominent brain researcher yeah. in ketogenic diet and exogenous ketones, and and I'm pretty sure he was the one that was talking about what they found in rat models as far as. Um, um, basically like curing depression in the brain that when you're in a ketogenic state that depressed rats. Yeah. Depressed okay. rats. So, well, uh, it was, um, actually it was anxiety. So mm-hmm. he, he talked about how they, the way that they measured that was that they put rats in a maze they weren't used to. Uh-huh. And the sign of anxiety for them was that they didn't stay in there very long and they very quickly went back to safety. Whereas, mm-hmm. um, when they were ketogenic, they would, for a long time, they would be in this new maze and they wouldn't get scared and go home. They would just be relaxed. Wow. And, um, you know, that's a rat model. So some people would say like, oh, well, you know, that's animals. We don't know if that happens in humans, but I've seen it over and over again in my clients that I work with and even my own son. So I'm not my- aware of it in any studies, but that doesn't mean it's not out there. But anecdotally, it seems like I've seen, heard, I've heard people say that. Yeah, yeah. And, and Dom was talking mm-hmm. about the actual mechanism, which at this point, I can't remember off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. um, there is a mechanism where it basically um, takes away that Overexcitatory anxiety state in the brain. Well, the it calms brain the brain. Is so weird, like that. I know we just know very little about it, but it's. I mean, if it, if the sugar and there's dopamine and up and down, and dopamine's related to depression and you know reuptake inhib- serotonin, maybe like those things. You know, <laughs> you're like, just listing off a bunch of neurotransmitters. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you, I know that those, like, if that happens from sugar, mm. that there's those chemicals are in there. I mean, dopamine is like if. It's that thing if you're not having that, maybe there's something not having that spikes and cycles of that stuff that would be even worse than somebody who already was lower in those chemicals anyway or something. Yeah, likely that's part of it. But what what Dom was talking about was a whole other mechanism, Uh um, upregulation of other um, neurochemicals and neurotransmitters. I'm glad people are working on that. That's for sure. But I mean, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it seems like it's so... Like Again, you, frustrating that our science isn't better. It's just really weird to me that it seems so important, yeah. like what we eat and how our brains work. Yeah. We're just way slow. It's just so, I'm not saying we're far behind. I know we do a lot of impressive stuff, but man, it seems like we could be better with this, with this stuff. There's a lot to explore still, yeah. Well, and even with epilepsy, they don't understand completely the whole mechanism of how uh, ketogenic diet suppresses uh, or stops yeah. seizures. They know it has something to do with upregulation of some calcium channels in the brain, but that's only part of it. And and uh, the anxiety um, effects or the anti-anxiety effects of it are a whole other mechanism. And so um, I'm pretty excited to see, you know, the next 20, 30, even 50 years that the research that will be out there and we'll understand all of the different mm-hmm. ways that the body really likes ketone bodies and all the health benefits of that. And yeah, definitely. I hope more people get with it. I got another question in from Hain who I was talking about. He said he does take a little bit of insulin. So oh, okay, okay. He, he wanted to correct he does take that, a little yeah. bit of insulin, and he says he asked how is protein linked to ketosis. So and oh, he yeah. said that something about that earlier. Moderate. moderate protein. So it, protein itself, you have to even watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, what, by what system does it mess up ketosis? Then well, so we, we, too much protein. We, yeah. So we we know that very clearly, and you know taught in school anybody who knows anything about nutrition knows that you know carbohydrates cause an insulin release mm-hmm. in the body um protein does as well and at about 50 percent of what 
carbohydrates do. Okay. And carbohydrates in our diet are not essential for us to live, meaning we don't have to eat them to stay alive. You don't need carbs. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to have yeah. any carbs ever. Right. Okay. But protein we do. Yes. So protein is essential for life. So I we see. can't not have protein. And so that's why we moderate it. We get just enough to keep us alive and keep us healthy and give our body what it needs, um, mm-hmm. but not so much that it causes a really big insulin spike that it prevents ketosis or suppresses it. And so that's why um, one of the biggest differences between a keto diet and Atkins is that we, we regulate or moderate protein, whereas an Atkins... Atkins is a low carb approach. And so they're not concerned with staying in ketosis. And for a lot of people, you can, um, you know, lose weight by just, just by reducing suppressing the appetite. With yeah. The and not getting the huge insulin and spikes and everything. Still so, not ketogenic. Yeah. But you're never, you're not necessarily going to get to that, you know, the brain clarity, the mm-hmm. suppression of, um, seizures or pain reduction that you notice as well yeah. or a lot of other benefits you're not really flipping this necessarily flipping the switch all the way yeah yeah in that regard okay that's interesting yeah. so but protein though you need it for muscle so if you if you didn't eat protein we would lose muscle mass well that's and certainly one somebody of the- interested like hane in, in muscle and working out and firefighting yeah he needs to got to keep that protein. Well, and that's the one thing most people just think of like protein makes muscle, but mm-hmm. it actually is essential for a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Did you actually know that our neurotransmitters are made from protein parts? So protein is broken down into amino acids. That's mm-hmm. the building block of them. And we need there's 22 of them. Yeah. Well, well there's right. We I learned that in biology. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's 22 amino acids that make up the building block thing. Well, there's more than that and we can make some of them. Okay. Um, but neurotransmitters are all made from amino acids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, endorphin molecule, for example, needs between 14 and 22 different amino acids Mm -hmm. to make one molecule of endorphin. Endorphin is what we need for pain. Um, So, you know, not only do we make muscles out of protein, but we also need it for neurotransmitters. Our enzymes are all made from protein parts, um, parts of our cells, our DNA. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So it's it's essential. We absolutely need it. Um, So that's why we make sure we get enough Mm. of that. Um, The most recent uh, and there's not a lot of agreement yet as far as like what the minimum amount of protein is that we need. So that's an area that's under investigation right now. And all the different um, prominent researchers or, you know, like Dr. Westman and Volick and Finney, they all kind of mm-hmm. have different ways of figuring out what the ideal amount of protein is. So I tend to go with um, 0.8 to 1 gram per kilogram per day. For most people, that works really well. So um, 100 for me is, a re- is reasonable. You think you, I should even go lower well, what, on protein? What, how many kilograms do you weigh, do you know? I know. I can tell you I weigh about 179 pounds. So if you take, you know, roughly about half of that in yeah. um would be grams of protein mm-hmm. is fine. Yeah. I mean, half of my kilogram weight in protein. Well, half no. of your weight in pounds is a rough estimate okay. of your kilograms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So less than 100 would be fine for me. Yeah, yeah. 100. Yeah, and for most like a really simple way that people can do this is like for women if they do 60 grams a day and men 75 that tends to work really well. Um, The more uh, physically active somebody is they may need a little bit more protein Mm -hmm. but for most people they overestimate you know, you don't. That's interesting. You don't need two hundred grams of protein. So a day then we're just back to like, really, we want to eat fatty stuff. I yeah, mean. yeah. So do you? You don't really worry about or avoid dairy. And then the other one I want to ask you about is artificial sweeteners. Like, there's mm-hmm. part of me thinks, okay, we're gonna take this. 
totally alternate approach, and we're going to use these crutches of maybe these other yeah. things that yeah. might be. They're not related to ketosis, but maybe they have other harmful effects. The, the yeah. sweeteners and people mm-hmm. seem to not like dairy or maybe a saturated fat. I don't know what it is, but I'm wondering by doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on some of these other things yeah. that would be less in a balanced, normal diet, um, are we at risk? Am I at risk of getting colon cancer? For dairy or uh, some other something else because of artificial sweeteners. Well, let me I look use. at your palm and I can tell you if you're going to get cancer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, is there no. a risk factor like colon no. cancer from too much meat? How about that? Yeah, I mean that that the the thing about those type of correlational studies you'll see is that they're what's called epidemiological, which mm-hmm. means they look at large groups of people and they look at diet recall. I mean, there's so many things that you know, could be wrong with that association. There's mm-hmm. no, nothing has been proved that yeah. it's just like these societies that ate a high meat diet. They also had high rates of, of colon cancer. Well, what else is it has in common with societies that eat a high meat diet? Um, but also we were just talking about like too much meat isn't good for us anyways. Yeah. So maybe there is something to do with that. If you eat way too much meat, maybe you're causing an insulin spike as well. And maybe that's contributing to that. So, well, okay. So dairy and sweeteners though. What's yeah. So, um, dairy is one of those things that's very individual. Yeah. So, um, some people tolerate it just fine. Other people are very sensitive to it. Um, I interviewed Dr. Um, Adam Nally out of Arizona a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. He talked about how, um, he was eating a lot of dairy in the beginning when he thought he was doing keto diet and he finally got a ketone meter and checked his blood and he found that whenever he had dairy it kicked him out of ketosis so he was just really sensitive and it was independent of how much protein he had Mm -hmm. or carbs or anything and so um, I had that same question then and I just broke down finally and started checking my own blood ketones and I had you know a bunch of heavy cream in coffee and I checked mine and I was still within you know the ideal range so I'm like okay good I get a free pass on dairy but it's an individual thing so some people are sensitive to it um, as far as ketosis goes i mean the allergy side of it is probably a whole That's different a whole thing. thing lactose intolerance when your gut how well you how if you yeah some if everybody's different in those things some people dairy just isn't good for me anyway yeah right yeah. exactly and so artificial sweeteners what do you say so artificial sweeteners um I, you know, I'm not a fan of anything that's artificial, but setting Uh that aside, let's, you know, the thing I look at is, does it affect glucose? Does it affect insulin? So Mm -hmm. those are the primary things that... So with stevia, for instance, no. Yeah, stevia doesn't affect blood glucose or insulin. So Mm -hmm. I call that a keto-friendly sweetener. Um, There are some of the artificial sweeteners, though, that do, even though they don't affect blood glucose, they affect insulin and that they can actually suppress ketosis. Okay. Um, Which ones are those? Off the top of my head, it's either... uh, Splenda, uh, Splenda or aspartame. A- aspartame. It's um, one of those two. Yeah. Um, and off the top of my head, I should. Splenda is the yellow Let's one. Aspartame is then is in equal the blue one. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what is the sweet and low. Is that one has a different name? Yeah, the the two that I found that you know they're the most natural and have the least have no impact on blood glucose or insulin. Um, stevia very clearly. Um, I guess there's a lot of other ones that go with that. Like monk fruit is another one that's mm-hmm. um, a natural compound and it is doesn't affect insulin or glucose. Um, inulin fibers as well, which is often mixed with like stevia when they powder it. Um, the other one is um, erythritol. Um, it's more. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. That yeah. ca- what do I have? That I have it in one of my foods. I've yeah, seen the, that one. Um, it's in Zevia soda, uh-huh. and there's also a packaged version of that called Swerve. That's um, yeah, I've seen that. One. Produced it's by fermenting corn. I, had. I, I make, try to make some some desserts, which yeah. is really good. Um, okay, so you said you're going out tonight with somebody. You're going out to eat. Yeah. How do you eat this way? Out to eat. The menus don't 
aren't super friendly to it, but what's your strategy when you're going, what will you eat tonight? Yeah, well, um, it depends on where we go, but I, I kind of do the same thing that I teach as my formula. So I'll look for whatever protein sounds good to me. So mm-hmm. whether that's like salmon or chicken or beef or steak or, or I might do a burger with no bun is a mm-hmm. common one I'll do when I go out. And then, you know, instead of any fries or potatoes or something on the side is that I'll get uh, a salad or like if they've got some kind of um, low carb veggie, which is like broccoli or cauliflower or asparagus this time yeah. of year. Um, something like that. I'll just have that as a side. Ask for ask for extra. Um, mm-hmm. A Caesar salad is a really good and one with no if they protons. You just yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah, and just, I save so much it. money yeah. on food now, anyways, because I'm not as hungry and I'm not <laughs> getting point. like you know. It used to be that I would crave something sweet every night and I would go indulge Mm -hmm. in like expensive desserts and stuff and I save so much money now that I don't care if they charge me you know $15 for a burger and a Caesar salad on the side it's like I, yeah. you know, I feel happy and satisfied and I eat, eat That's what interesting. I want. So. I was thinking about that because I, I eat out less because I just do stuff at home naturally because going out to eat, I had to avoid this or that. Yeah. So I probably save some money on that, but I spend money on way better quality foods yeah. and, and, you know, calorie dense fat stuff yeah. can be expensive. And then on the other, the other, the last thing I really want to talk about too is I save a lot of money in alcohol because mm-hmm. I would, I'd normally drink several beers a f- couple I'll say a couple it's probably more than that <laughs> um, every night at home why, okay. why wouldn't I I mean that's right, like right. one of the best things in the world to me um, I don't do that anymore at home but I do mix alcohol in sometimes when I can and my understanding is that it can delay or slow down or affect my ketosis but yeah if I can watch the amount of carbs and have either a low carb beer or a liquor drink with a no sugar or sweetener mm-hmm. than that it's I don't know because I'm not testing my blood, um, but I feel like that it can be okay. What do you think about that? Yeah, so it it does definitely. So if you if you have an alcoholic beverage, and again, you're going to do like the no carb mixers, like mm-hmm. club soda or. Um, water or something like that um it because your body switch your uh, not your body your liver switches over Mm -hmm. from making ketones it's got to detox the alcohol first so it does it jumps in line yeah so it suppresses your your ketone production if you were checking your blood ketones and this actually somebody who's much more keto adapted has been doing this for many many months is going to see um your body can spring back from it much quicker i noticed that too however if somebody in the very beginning is trying to maintain their alcohol mm-hmm. habit and be in ketosis they're gonna have a really, really hard time yeah. yeah um so it's gonna suppress your ketone level um from what i've seen it doesn't completely kick you out of ketosis um i mean if you have a few beers there's enough carbs that'll oh yeah all, that'll do it if for, you, you know. for sure yeah, yeah yeah um and the other thing is, is because it lowers your inhibitions it Likely increase your appetite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> increase your yeah. appetite and increases your cravings and things like that. And so it might be like a snowball effect where yeah. it makes it hard for people to stay on track. But um, for somebody who's been keto adapted or fat mm-hmm. adapted for a long period of time, their body can bounce back. So by the next morning, they're back up to that ketone level that they were at before. So um, yeah, I've seen that. That you know, gives me a lot of like mental. Uh, it, it gives me some pleasure to know that at least I can drink sometimes. So I, I don't drink every day, which yeah. I would prefer in a, in a sense, but there's the calories from that. And it's, there's no reason that's a good idea, but it doesn't put, it doesn't it doesn't start storing glycogen in my liver is the bottom line. No, it just, as long as, it I mean, just gets in line and says, Hey, let's deal with this alcohol, which it probably thinks is a poison yeah, that I exactly. stumbled into exactly, and says, I yeah. got to deal with this right away. Exactly. Then we'll be back to fat burning. Right, right. Exactly. So it slows you yeah. down. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, you probably noticed as well is that your tolerance is much lower than it was before. Of alcohol. Like one drink yeah. is equal to three. Yeah, now, I had right? like three okay. drinks the other day and had a hangover. I was yeah, like, well, yeah. this isn't right. Yeah. This is, it's actually less enjoyable to drink now too, Well, which and, is a bummer. And because but. it's making your brain happier as well, I found a lot of my clients report that you know, they go into the thinking like, gosh, I don't know if I can give up my habit in the evening like that. Yeah. And then after a while, they're like, my brain's so happy now. Yeah, I don't happier. need alcohol anymore. Yeah. Or I don't d- crave it like I used to. Yeah, but that I, I even mourn that a little bit. <laughs> I miss my depression. I do. Maybe I don't know, but it was just. But I do different stuff. Like it actually affects my whole lifestyle. Like I usually from now from like eight thirty when my daughter goes to bed and my wife winds down and maybe she's watching TV in bed or something. I usually can do another two or three hours of work with mm-hmm. a lot of clarity. Like yeah, I just can yeah. sit down and learn something or read something or study on the internet or edit some music or do whatever I'm doing. I can do it. I, it's kind of like I've bought that time back in a way and drinking and sugar would veg me out either way. Cause that's right. the thing that even sh- I just think it's really weird how with sugar and diets like that, a big meal with a baked potato Count me out. Like nobody's yeah. ever done any awesome work after Thanksgiving dinner or <laughs> right. mini Thanksgiving right. dinner. Like you have a big supper right. with carbs. You just you're not gonna be worth anything after that. Or a big lunch. I well mean, the same thing with breakfast like when you they go waste out that hours a day. Croissant and, and like donut that. and Kirby yeah. mocha, the same thing. They go to work and Yeah. It's super yeah. It's, it's super weird. So yeah. um yeah, this has been great. I think we're about on what we need to be on time without really boring people, but I think I could talk. There's a bunch of more questions I would like to do to see if I didn't have anything else written down. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time, and I hope you have a good time over here in the city today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have any. I don't have anything here. I'm going to try and get a ketone meter, though. I think I, I just uh, that's enough. I talk about it all the time. Yeah. The, the, you think I can get the test strips for 2 or $3? Well, yeah. If you buy them, uh, I found them on eBay for, you know, of course, the bigger lot you buy, the cheaper they are. Mm-hmm. The ones I got were like about two eighty a piece. Do you test about, your blood every day? No. I, I wa- You just know where you're at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted validation. Like after actually interviewing Dr. Nell and him saying, I thought I was in ketosis for a long time. And then I found when I finally mm-hmm. tested, I wasn't. And so I was like, well, after all this time, I might as well make sure. And I got that validation. And I checked after a couple of foods. Like I wanted to find out if I was somebody who was like dairy was kicking me out of ketosis or something or too much coffee also mm-hmm. for some people can do that um, I wanted to check those things I got that validation and I'm like well these things are expensive enough I'll wait until I want to try something different or some other food that I'm questioning or something so and so the meter if you're looking for is it's you, you we'd want to be at like 1.5 to 3 millimolars yeah that's kind of the ideal like nutritional ketosis and, and level. Weight, weight weight loss mm-hmm. yeah ketone levels in your blood is the is the to gold get all standard. the benefits, regardless of your weight, to get all the benefits of ketogenic diet, yeah. that's where you want yeah. to be. Yeah, and they have the peace strips too, but they say they don't work as good. Well, yeah, because there's there's three different ketone bodies primarily that your body's making, not primarily that it makes. One of those is what shows up that in your urine that the ketone stri- sticks. Mm-hmm. What are they called? Keto sticks. Yeah. That is measuring that one in your urine. In the beginning, your body is kind of sloppy and it makes too much of that, and so it spills over into your urine. So mm-hmm. in the first month, that's a good way to kind of you know people like that validation. Am I doing this right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But after your body gets better adapted so that whole process we talked about adaptation is that your body gets better at it more efficient and less of it spilling over into your urine and so you know a month or more into it people use the key the pee sticks and they think oh gosh i'm i'm not in ketosis anymore well no it's just your body's actually getting better at being in ketosis so the one place is always going to show up though is in in the blood yeah I see. Well, you know, I appreciate this very much. Like I said, we have that email list where we share it's just real small internal 
private thing. Um, but instead of, I know there's a million good websites, and I'd love people to go to your website and everything, and I'll link it in the episode description and everywhere else, uh, Carol Freeman. But uh, if you want to send along a couple of uh, of special recipes that you like, that's oh, the sure. most fun thing is okay. just to share stuff like we. Uh, Hayne shared with me a fried chicken, which I miss, and yeah. use pork rinds as some of the yeah. breading for it. And I just, to me, that made me so happy to feel like I can eat fried chicken I've, again. I've so. got a really great lasagna recipe that's with chorizo. And um, then I do this um, keto chocolate cream pie as well. Yeah, we would love yeah, to have this. Yeah. So if you want to pick out your, I know you probably have a lot of recipes and things that you do, but if you'd like to pick out a few that are your favorite, yeah. I would love to add them to that, yeah, that okay. list of ours and share them. I'll tell them that it was yours I'd and be happy to. we'll link all your information and stuff in there so i really appreciate the time and uh information that you've related to me today i get a real kick out of that yeah my pleasure it's been great so thanks for having me matt well thank you very much you've been listening to the jabberjaw podcast network jabberjawmedia.com Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.